never miss an episode of Pull Up a Chair, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast. Follow us on Spotify and Anchor. Follow us on Instagram at pullupachair.podcast and like us on Facebook at Pull Up a Chair with Ashley Mayer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pull Up a Chair. Usually, these podcasts are dropped on Mondays and Thursdays, but this weekend I was out of town and unplugged a little bit. Didn't look at my phone much or the news. Always necessary to do that, by the way, to just unplug a little bit. But I needed a day to catch up on the news and politics so and then also want to apologize in advance my voice is a little raspy so you're gonna have to bear with me but today we're gonna talk about the Keystone XL pipeline and how environmentalists are excited about Biden's executive order halting its construction but Union workers who actually endorsed Biden feel betrayed because workers are already being laid off due to the executive order. Then we're going to go into California's stay-at-home order being lifted. Is Governor Gavin Newsom making a political or scientific move? And lastly, on the big topics, we'll touch on Trump's impeachment trials moving forward in the Senate Has a president been impeached when he's out of office before? No, but we'll break down how the trial will preside in just two weeks. Then at the end, I'll touch on a few political double standards because those are always fun to look at. So stay tuned. We have a lot to unpack. Going into the Keystone XL pipeline, what is it? I feel like a lot of people don't know what it is. So I want to touch on that before getting into the issues So it's a proposed pipeline from Alberta, Canada that will connect to an already existing pipeline in Nebraska. A lot of people don't know this, but there already is an existing Keystone pipeline that starts in Alberta, Canada, and then goes through Saskatchewan, Canada, and then Manitoba, Canada, and then through the United States to North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Illinois, Oklahoma, Texas, and Louisiana. The proposed Keystone XL pipeline would be kind of like the hypotenuse of the already existing pipeline. The XL pipeline would go from Alberta, Canada through Montana to South Dakota and then to Nebraska to meet up with the existing pipeline. And the pipeline carries tar sands, which contain a certain type of petroleum that can be converted into fuel. And the tar sands are found in the boreal forest in Canada. Obviously, Canada is landlocked, that area especially. So pipelines, especially to the United States, are definitely essential for them. But before also, again, diving into the politics and the environmental issues of the pipeline. I just wanted to name a couple of items that are made from petroleum. I feel like petroleum and fossil fuels, it sounds really scary. And a lot of people are against the extraction of fossil fuels. But 
those same people don't really realize that a lot of the everyday items that they use contain petroleum or were made from petroleum products. So a few of those are ballpoint pens, nail polish, tires, deodorant, skis, hair coloring, candles, cell phones, sunglasses, speakers, leggings, toothbrushes, refrigerators, toilet seats, hand lotion, aspirin, purses, shoes, and shampoo, to name a few. A lot of environmentalists are people who are pro the environment and, you know, like to live their life green and like to reduce their carbon footprint. A lot of those people don't realize that in order to go into a completely clean and renewable environment, it would be difficult because there are a lot of everyday items that you use that come especially from petroleum. I mean, think about it, a cell phone. You wouldn't be able to listen to this podcast if it weren't for petroleum or fossil fuels. So just some things to consider. Obviously, everybody reduces their carbon footprints in specific ways, but it just kind of goes to show that there's no possible way to completely rid of those things. So those that are more so in favor of the pipeline really cite that the benefit of the pipeline would make the United States energy independent or more energy independent. And it would allow us to work with our allies, Canada, to have greater energy independence in North America versus looking to Middle Eastern countries like Saudi Arabia for their oil and gas, and also just looking to the Middle East for resources like oil and gas. Obviously, there's a lot of war going on and then things like the oil curse. So being more independent would really help not only Canada, but also the United States, um, just to have that independence and not have to rely on other countries for those products. But in general, around 800,000 barrels of crude oil a day are already being transported by trucks and railroads um, from Canada to the United States because there isn't that Keystone XL pipeline. And Just to relate it back to the environmental issues of it, both railroads and trucks already release carbon emissions. So it's not like the Keystone XL pipeline would completely introduce a whole set of emissions. That's not to say that there are more that would come from the XL pipeline, but Also, something to consider is Canada's still going to produce that crude oil, even if it isn't transported into America. And honestly, it would likely be transported to China. And for that to happen, it would be transported on a barge. And so the the emissions connected to the pipeline would still go into our atmosphere. It's, It's not like Again, in the absence of the XL pipeline, there just like wouldn't be emissions into the atmosphere. 
But environmental activists are heavily against the Keystone XL pipeline because crude oil from tar sands is more corrosive than normal crude oil, which emits more carbon emissions 17 times more uh, to be specific. So that's why a lot of environmental activists are against it. And these emissions would be equivalent to 38.5 million passenger vehicles. So it's definitely a lot to consider. And, and it really kind of goes back to that I think this is the biggest issue when talking about environmental issues is, is the difference between the environment and jobs. But as our country is trying to move into cleaner energy, it definitely puts the focus away from renewable energy like wind and solar. But something to consider is wind and solar only make up about 8% of the United States energy. So it's not like wind and solar is something that the United States is just going to heavily rely on i mean the united states again is still very much so reliant on fossil fuels and petroleum and oil and gas but going into why this is such a hot topic right now is because one biden signed that executive order halting the construction of the keystone xl pipeline but another thing which is very interesting is the United Association of Union Plumbers and Pipefitters actually endorsed Joe Biden in August for the 2020 election, kind of just saying that he'll prioritize the needs of union workers and fight for fair wages and jobs for them. But after Biden signed the executive order halting the pipeline, that same union group that endorsed him said that Biden's listening to fringe environmental activists instead of their union members. And they really pushed the fact that now a bunch of their workers will be out of jobs. And and they said that energy costs will go up for working American families. So that's a very interesting thing to see right now because this this group ultimately endorsed Biden thinking that they were going to be the better president for their union members and on day one they have come to realize that perhaps Biden is not the president that maybe they thought that he would be but you know one could argue that but on on a different note it's also it's not like Biden just sprung this on everyone I mean when Biden was vice president under Obama, Obama was very much so against the Keystone XL pipeline. And Biden did say, you know, he was probably going to do something like this. So perhaps it was incompetent for them to initially endorse him and incompetent that they didn't realize that this was something that Biden was going to go after. But Yesterday, in a press conference, the general manager of the Keystone XL Pipeline was doing a presser, and he said that many workers have already been laid off, and and you can listen to that here. You can listen what he said yesterday. Right now, the the numbers of jobs are, are thousands of jobs. There's there's Michaels, there's Precision Pipeline um, that would affected that the pipeline was going to be constructed. Um, the actions that were happened 
Recently, we were doing station work. There's hundreds of guys that got laid off. What was that? Tuesday. Are any live in Wisconsin? Or yes, a lot of them live in Wisconsin. Yes. That's an important point to know. These but, you know, as the manager said, workers are being laid off. And it goes back to that question of, of do you focus more on the environment or do you focus more on jobs? And I would argue that right now, especially during a pandemic, jobs would definitely be a bigger focal point because a lot of people have already been laid off. A lot of people are struggling and to take away jobs from people you know, at the stroke of a pen during a pandemic is definitely something that is angers a lot of people. And it kind of goes back to that you get what you vote for. And, and, and if you voted for somebody and you don't realize that they were going to do something that you just more so turned a blind eye to, then that's, that's kind of on you. So speaking of you get what you vote for, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has been pretty strict with COVID lockdowns and now all of a sudden, really out of the blue, he's lifting the California stay-at-home orders. Businesses and, and restaurants have really been, one, struggling in California and two, really going after Newsom and the California government because of the stay-at-home orders and the lockdowns that they've been enacting. A lot of business owners have sued California just saying that California is infringing on their constitutional rights and really those lawsuits, they, they either want their businesses open again or they're trying to have it where there's a more localized control of COVID orders. Obviously, the COVID issues that are hurting Los Angeles are not going to be the same issues that are hurting small towns in Northern California. But this move by lifting the stay-at-home orders will allow restaurants and businesses to open in-person services at some capacity, not all capacity. I know for restaurants, it's pretty much just outdoor dining. They weren't allowed to have any sort of dining. Dining, sorry. But Newsom is kind of citing that they are, the, the numbers that they're looking at, there's a four-week projection that they'll have the ICU capacity above that 15% threshold, and that's why he's lifting the order. They say that if it's below that threshold, they'll stay on lockdown, but if it's above it, then they can ease up on restrictions, but Newsom really isn't very popular right now. Local leaders like Democratic Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti and Democratic State Senator Susan Rubio both came out saying that they felt like the announcement to lift the order was rushed and they both learned of the loosened COVID orders from the press and pretty much at the same time as the public and they both again said, you know, they wish that they had been briefed on it so that they could have a better plan moving forward. Obviously, if your governor doesn't talk to the local leaders like mayors or state senators, it's hard for them to all be on the same page moving forward with a with a plan. 
But the weird thing about California opening back up again is California closed outdoor dining on December 7, 2020, when the seven-day average was 23,139 cases, but they opened outdoor dining on January 24th the other day when the seven-day average was 25,576 cases. So it's odd and it, it definitely makes you question why is this lockdown order being lifted when there are more cases when you're opening things up again versus when you closed things down. And so it really does beg the question, is this a political move? Yesterday, uh, Gavin Newsom had a press conference explaining the, um, you know, him lifting the stay-at-home order and, and, and listen to how he answered a, a question just about the perhaps the politics around it. Critics are saying this online, that um, this decision today comes amidst uh, a recall campaign, comes amidst lawsuits, and they say that the timing on this is, is arbitrary and convenient based off of that. I want to give you a chance to respond to people that are saying that. Yeah, that's just complete, utter nonsense. So let's just dispense with that fundamental, foundationally nonsense. So that's number one. So... Going off of kind of what he said, 1.2 million people have signed a petition to recall Gavin Newsom as governor, and they only need 1.5 million signatures by March 17th. So essentially, they only need 300,000 signatures in seven weeks, and I think it's pretty doable. It would be interesting to see. I, I think it's doable, and a lot of people, no matter if you're Democrat, Republican, business owner, rich, poor, all the above. I think everybody's pretty mad at Newsom. They feel as though he's kind of done a bad job at being a leader during a pandemic. I mean, the cases are still soaring and not a lot's, you know, not a lot's changed or, or perhaps there's a lack of leadership and a lot of people are mad at him because a lot of people are struggling. And actually, speaking of people being mad at him, White House sources are saying that Biden is even frustrated by Newsom's move to open things up because ultimately Biden wants, as the president of the United States, Biden wants to keep the pandemic under control and, and perhaps this more impulsive move by Newsom is not going to mitigate COVID in the way that Biden would like to. But on the flip side of that, Republicans are mad at Newsom and are accusing Newsom of lifting orders because of how close he is to potentially getting a recall vote. So this is something that I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for just because they really don't need that many signatures. And it, it would be very interesting to see politically how that would work if they did recall Gavin Newsom, you know, ultimately pushing for another election and, and and because he's a Democrat, would this maybe make California more red than it is? Not saying it would turn red, but California's a very blue state. Would you see a shift in ideology? Who knows? So definitely gonna stay tuned on that. Um gonna be looking at that closely. But the last big thing I wanted to touch on is Trump's impeachment. 
and I, I'm not going to get like full into it, just kind of a little update. But yesterday, the House majority leaders walked the articles of impeachment against Trump for inciting an insurrection over to the Senate floor. And just a refresher, articles of impeachment are introduced in the House of Representatives. And if they are voted to impeach a president, which in this case, Trump was impeached, um, they're then brought to the Senate to what you would usually hold a trial to convict and remove the president from office. But it's weird because Trump is no longer in office. But these proceedings will start on February 8th. So that's in pretty much two weeks. So we'll be talking about that again soon. And there's a lot of many weird things revolving the Senate impeachment trials. Usually the chief justice of the Supreme Court, who is John Roberts, resides over the Senate impeachment trial. It's their constitutional duty to do so. But John Roberts isn't presiding over this impeachment trial, and he really hasn't come out with a statement as to why, but a lot of people are assuming that he just doesn't want to be in the spotlight of an impeachment of a president who isn't in office anymore. You know, the Supreme Court is supposed to really be a fair and balanced and impartial um, branch of government. And perhaps John Roberts just sees this as because Trump is no longer in office, it's something that maybe he doesn't want to get involved with. And so instead of Chief Justice John Roberts presiding over the hearings, it will actually be the president pro tem of the Senate, who is the second highest ranking member of the Senate and usually is the most senior senator of the majority party. It's Democratic senator from Vermont, Patrick Leahy, um, and he will preside over the trial and it's not totally weird that he's going to preside over the trial just because usually with non-president impeachments, the president pro tem of the Senate resides over them. A lot of conservatives or Republicans aren't very happy with this being that he voted to um, convict Trump in Trump's first impeachment trial. So they're worried he may not be impartial or unbiased. But he will all before he presides over the trial, he will have to take a separate oath saying that he has to be impartial. Um, and for this, I'm for this impeachment for the Senate trial, I'm definitely expecting some intense political theater because at this point, hearings like this are so political and senators really are just going to be hoping for their five-minute clip that they can post on Twitter saying, you know, I'm on fire, I'm heated up, I'm, you know, the next great thing in the Democratic or the Republican Party. So it'll definitely be a lot of theater. And then also for Trump to be convicted, he there I, I believe it'll have to be 17 Senate Republicans that will have to vote to convict Trump in an impeachment trial. And I don't think that's going to happen. Do I think that many of those people think Trump should be impeached? Yes. But 
it, it wouldn't be politically expedient for them to vote to convict Trump, so they're not going to do it. But ultimately, it just kind of shows that maybe people aren't over Trump and, and and Democrats are saying, you know, we need to convict him so that he never runs for office again. Granted, I personally don't think he would run for office again, but I get the sentiment of being like, Trump can't just receive a slap on the wrist for something like this. He has to pay the consequences. And then Republicans, on the other hand, are saying that at this point, Trump is a private citizen. So why even bother? But for me, the the weirdest thing about it is right there's a new president right now we are currently in the first 100 days of a new president and that's where the agenda gets tight and 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 instead of focusing on biden's first 100 days they're focusing on the impeachment of a president that isn't even in office anymore so it really begs the question are is Joe Biden and the Democrats really wanting to restore the soul of the nation or are they just beating a dead horse at this point? So obviously this isn't everything revolving around the impeachment. There's definitely more to come as the trials will start on February 8th. We'll definitely keep in touch with that and and, and stay up to date on that. But just kind of wanted to give you a little bit of background on some things before going into those trials. And then today I wanted to do something fun. I feel like politics is just a huge double standard all the time where Republicans and Democrats both do the same thing and call each other out on it. But this week there were some very interesting ones to say the least. So Amy Coney Barrett, the biggest thing about Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett during the hearings to um, her, her appointment hearings, a lot of people were going against her faith and she's a devout Catholic. And a lot of people were saying, you know, she's handmaid's tale and she wants a theocracy and and you know she's pro-life and and this is going to hinder the way that she rules on on the court saying that she's a, a radical catholic pretty much using her faith to attack her well now you know you have it where the new york times is is saying President Biden is perhaps the most religiously observant commander-in-chief in half a century. A different, more liberal Christianity grounds his life and his policies. So for Amy Coney Barrett, she's a radical, but for Joe Biden, it grounds him and he's a devout Catholic and 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 religiously observant. And and it's like you cannot use faith against one person and then and then have it propped up by another person. It's not how it works. It's annoying. Double standard one of today or this week. And then another big one that has been going on is when COVID had just came out, Trump obviously banned travel from China being that COVID was originated in China. And Joe Biden literally called Trump a xenophobe and a fear monger for 
enacting a travel ban from China due to, you know, he did it to protect American citizens so that they wouldn't be as exposed to COVID. And now, being that there is the new variant of COVID blasting off in the United Kingdom, not only is Biden imposing a travel ban from the UK, Ireland, and other parts of Europe, he's also banning travel from South Africa, but that's not xenophobic. And and I believe Peter Ducey, who's the Fox News White House correspondent, asked Jin Saki, the uh, press secretary, about that double standard, and she kind of just blew it off. So double standards of the week. There will be many to come. And I always say, you know, try to point them out. And and I do try to point out double standards from, you know, that conservatives do as well, not just liberal double, double standards. It's important to notice those things. It's important to realize how p- people react to the same situation, but towards this a different person. Um, so I think I'm going to start adding those to the end of each podcast because those are fun. But anyways, that's it for today. Thank you so much. Make sure to tune in on Thursday for the second episode of the week. Uh, lots going on right now. A lot. I know I, I can't cover everything. I try to stick with the things that I feel are the most important to talk about. But of course, DM the Instagram account. And also you can email pull up a chair pod at gmail.com if you have any suggestions definitely send them our way we would love to hear them but thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your day never miss an episode of pull up a chair make sure to subscribe on apple podcast Follow us on Spotify and Anchor. Follow us on Instagram at pullupachair.podcast and like us on Facebook at pullupachair with Ashley Mayer.